This is part two of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Any other questions at this time? Uh, there was one person who was saying, uh, we, we were saying that the weed roots are usually shallow. They were saying their weed roots usually go down very deep, and thus the watering. Right. So, for example, a, a, a dandelion yeah. is going to have a taproot. A dandelion is just such a magnificent permaculture plant in so many ways, but it does have a taproot. On the other hand, its lifespan is five years. And yeah. so um, and now, depending on which plant we talk about, um, if they do have a, a root that goes down really deep, then, uh, you know, it's like, okay, well, what's its age? Now, the next thing is, is that um, when the grass makes a new baby grass plant, it is tied into all these other grass plants that are around that have deep roots. And so it's going to help this new grass plant get a start using water from down deep. But the dandelion is not going to do that. The dandelion is going to put a seed on the surface, and it's like, good luck, little seed, you're on your own. And then it's going to germinate and make a little teeny tiny dandelion baby, only then the soil turns all dry, and it hasn't made its little baby taproot yet. And now that dandelion plant, that little seedling dies, and it doesn't make the cut. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... I don't. Did I answer the concern? Did it, you know, I think you responded to it. Okay. All right. Cool. I'm moving on. <clears throat> the next section is called deep, rich, magnificent soil versus thin, pathetic dirt. And so, um, my first thought is, Hey, Sean, I see you solved the versus problem. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess we're doing it without the little period on it then. It's all consistent. That's the important thing. Right, right. It's either all with a period or all without. So it looks like we're going without. Okay, good to know. <laughs> uh, at one place I lived, my soil was only half an inch deep. Even weeds had a tough time growing. Below my half inch of soil were huge river rocks, separated by smaller rocks, separated by sand. It bore no resemblance to soil. I added four inches of topsoil. This was done with two dump truck loads at $100 a pop. It covered all of the weeds with enough soil so they could not work through it. And I could start from scratch with my grass seed of choice. I like tall fescue. All right. I wonder if I say anything here about the kind of dirt. So this particular dirt that I brought in uh, was coming from a field that was just riddled with weeds. So, um, Ooh. yeah, that, that shows a good, that it's, good point. It was nice black stuff, and they were apologizing that it's full of nap weeds. 
And I'm like, no, thank you, man. That is, that is the fact that it's full of nap weeds and other weeds is, is a great sign of how this is, this is the good stuff. Oh, um, you do, you do mention it two paragraphs down. So oh, okay. There. All right. All right. Uh, 18 inches or more soil would be optimal. I have a friend that has soil this deep. While everyone else waters a dozen times or more over the summer, she waters just once or twice. She uses no fertilizer or pesticides. She has a thick, dark green, weed-free grass. Her lawn is about as no-brainer lawn care as you could get. This is a good time to talk about soil quality, too. There's a big difference between dirt and soil. Soil is rich in microbial life and has a lot of organic matter in it. Dirt comes in many forms, and it is a challenge to get anything to grow in it. If you're getting topsoil delivered to your house, be prepared for it to bear more resemblance to dirt. Make sure that the source is full of non-grass plants. This is to make sure that it does not contain persistent herbicides. Do not get soil that's made from dirt and commercial compost. <clears throat> okay. Um, I think that uh, the, the big concern we have is with persistent herbicides, which is a broadleaf herbicide. So grasses will grow fine in it, but nothing else will. So if you're, if, if people are out there and they're kind of thinking to themselves that, you know, they want to grow a perfect grass lawn and they don't, they don't believe there's such a thing as toxic gick, then hey, maybe they want to get some that only grasses will grow in. And that's one way to solve the problem. Although, um, if you've got trees and shrubs in your lawn, you'll notice that those are not grasses. <laughs> and so you're going to poison them and they're going to die. Um, anyway, uh, I think we talked about the commercial compost already, so I'm ready to move on. Any other questions at this point? Nope. I think the, I think the image is a really good one. So we show like, um, a shallow soil and we show a deep soil and, and how the roots for the shallow soil, the grass roots can't go down. So you can't, can't grow a big grass. You cannot grow a tall grass. You gotta have the, the deeper soil to grow the, the healthier tall grass. Yeah. All right. The next section is called free fertilizers stomp the poopies out of the commercial offerings. <laughs> In 1996, I, yeah, we, we, I, I think I wrote that, didn't I? That sounds yeah. like something I would write. Yeah. That's one of those things. I mean, I think we spent like about a uh, half an hour, maybe 45 minutes, like trying to compose an awesome, uh, section title. And I think I won that one. Yeah, you did. Yeah. But this happened so many times throughout writing this book. I know one time I posted somewhere, somewhere on Burmese where a few people could see, uh, I posted the brainstorm of one of our section title. Oh yeah. <laughs> two things. And I was just like, okay, for those of you who think it's easy to come up with section titles, here's the 38 that we went through before we settled. <laughs> and even then it goes through rounds like, like, okay, we've got 38 section titles for this one, 38 contenders. Now we each have to pick our favorite. 
and limit it to those two, and then we then we continue on after that, um, and then we might do another thirty-eight. Yeah, and it's like because right. like this one still doesn't seem all that great. So, free fertilizers stomp the poopies out of the commercial offerings. In 1996, I completed my master gardener training. I ended up being sent to several homes to give advice on a lot of things. And the number one problem with lawns was that the soil was deflated. What I mean is that there would be trees in the lawn and there were huge roots exposed. So I want to see validation from the chat people. And, um, that they have seen this where, where the, uh, like tree roots, which should be totally underground are above ground. And they're kind of like these like three or four inches tall. Like there's no way you're getting a lawnmower over there. So I want to see chat people verifying that they have also seen that. <clears throat> and there's also an image on the screen right now. Of, okay, of that exact thing. So here's here's one. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So what I no. mean is that there would be. Well, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I was just gonna say I've seen this all over the place. So. Yeah, I have too. I have too. What I mean is that there would be trees in the lawn, and there were huge roots exposed. Sometimes the roots protruded six to ten inches, like the tops of giant eels in a river of dirt. The grass would be thin and pitiful in a pathetic gray dirt that nearly resembled cement. Every time I said the same thing, when you mow, do you haul away the clippings? And they would say, yes. And when the leaves fall off the tree, do you haul the leaves away too? Yes. At one point, these people had soil that would pump out happy trees and happy grass. Then they took all that lovely organic matter that would have fed the soil and hauled it away. As the years passed, there was less and less organic matter in the soil until all that was left was pathetic dirt. The soil deflated into dirt. With the help of a few earthworms, this process can be reversed. Lots of organic matter on top of the soil will not only feed the soil at the surface, but earthworms will take it pretty deep into the soil. The trick is that the soil will take in organic matter, but dirt will not. If you set the organic matter on a concrete sidewalk, the concrete doesn't take it in. If you take the same organic matter on, if, wait, if you set that same organic matter on the rich soil of a garden, the organic matter will be consumed by the soil in a few weeks or months. And just like most garden plants, grass loves a rich soil too. All right. I see lots of stuff going by in the chat. What's going on? Trying to keep up. Uh, there was a comment of roots need to breathe too. And someone else said, but trees need the roots up, don't they? No, trees do not, trees do not need their roots up. And trees, 
And roots need to breathe, and they will breathe plenty under soil, but they will not breathe in dirt. Yeah. And so the other thing is, is that the parts of a root that needs to breathe is not going to be able to breathe if it's simply exposed to the direct air. It needs to put bark over that to protect itself, so it's not going to breathe through that. It it needs to get those root hairs going. Yeah. It's it's those root hairs that are going to be breathing it. The root hair is going to get air and water and nutrients. And it's like um but if if it can't do root hairs, which it can't in in the open air, there are a few plants that can do that, but they're mostly tropical and very rare. Some of them might be in a in a place that has an extremely high humidity. But right. for most of us, those tree roots will not be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, here's one. Uh, we never haul away our leaves, just mowing over them. They rot quickly and feed the lawn. I think we're going to say that here in a moment, or I'm not yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Oh, good, good, good. The simplest thing to do is to mow high and leave your clippings on the lawn. In time, this will work. I have some bigger things you can do, but first let's understand what grass wants. Grass is a nitrogen pig. Legumes, such as clover and black medic, can get their nitrogen from the air. Remember, the air we breathe is 78% nitrogen. So when you see legumes taking over your lawn, you know that your soil is nitrogen poor. Suppose you have a lawn that's about 50% clover. I think that's pretty great. As long as you leave all of your clippings on the lawn, you will be fine. In three to six years, you'll probably get to less than 10% clover. Patience is a powerful tool. <clears throat> so, I gotta say something about, like, we, we had a discussion on permies, because on permies, uh, we have a, a, a thing about uh, don't state the truth. Instead, state your position. That makes it so that other people can state their position. Because if they have a position that's different than yours, but you're stating yours as the truth, then they feel like they're entering into a um, debate, and they don't want to get into a debate. They're like they're or they're entering into a conflict. They don't want to get into a conflict. So if you mm-hmm. state your position, it makes it clear that others are welcome to state their position too. So somebody was saying that Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, has certain things that he says are fact. And one of them was the air we breathe is 78% nitrogen. And I think he said the air we breathe will always be 78% nitrogen. And I spent two hours trying to come up with a scenario where that number might change 1%, like it'll be 79% or 77%. And I'm kind of thinking like, you're inside the house and you're, you know, the house is all sealed and you're running a, a, a gas, uh, stove and you're currently trying to heat up water or boil something or do canning or something. Then, um, it's going to consume a bunch of oxygen and displace that oxygen with carbon dioxide. But then the moment I said that, it's like, well, that doesn't, change the level of nitrogen does it <laughs> it's still the same so i i i tried really hard to come up with scenarios that change that the only thing i come up with is air that we don't breathe 
And that's where there can sometimes be pockets of carbon dioxide, which then displace the, the air. And then of course they're, because they're, carbon dioxide is so heavy that you can get these, uh, pools of carbon dioxide. Um, but then that's, that's a place where you go to die. Um, if you go into that stuff, you can't breathe it. You die. Right. So, so it's like, so anyway, I just kind of felt like sharing that little bit of trivia. I, I tried, I tried to come up with a space to, to prove that statement could be false. Cause the popular one that people say is the sky is blue. And then, you know, like you don't allow somebody to say the sky is green. And it's like, I don't know. Have you ever seen the Northern Lights? It's pretty green. I have seen them. Yeah. Lots, lots of green. Yeah. It's pretty green. That's some pretty green stuff right there. Look, the sky is green. So it uh, it can be relative and subjective. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, let's see. Do do do. Patience is a powerful tool. Okay, I see tons of comments going by. What's happening? What's happening? People talking about lawns and legumes and kind of continuing the conversation that we were having. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Of course, most people want an amazing lawn instantly. The quick solution you can buy having varying degrees of toxicity. Rather than explore which villain is the worst, here's a quick list of non-toxic stuff that will work. Lawn clippings from your mulching mower. Pee on the shortest grasses. Organic hay, and we got the word organic underlined. Organic. And, and, and bolded. And bolded. Yeah. Maybe we could have gone with a bigger font. <laughs> Maybe we could like make little lines around it, little squiggles, like dun da da da. You know, so, but organic hay tossed on your lawn just before you mow. Nitrogen fixing plants in the lawn, such as clover or black medic. And so, this might be a good time to point out that a lot of people point at Black Medic and they say, look, it's yellow clover. And or what they mean to say is that like most clover that people think of is called Dutch clover or Dutch white clover. So the blooms are white. And then Black Medic has leaves that are clover-like leaves, but um, it has a tiny yellow flower. And so um, people point at Black Medic and say that's yellow clover. And uh, a lot of times when you mow low, <clears throat> Black Medic kind of makes a mat. It's like, oh, okay, I can do this low-growing thing, no problem. And it kind of uh, chokes out all the grass. But when you mow high, then the Black Medic kind of grows high. It's it's a, it, it does its own little – it looks like a, 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 a clover that it grows up kind of grass-like to go to that sun that's up high and it and it's like it it does great in a lawn whereas if you mow low it really kills the grass it when it does that mat thing okay long term soil so this is a new section long term soil versus short term fertilizer adding high carbon material to the soil will in a way do the opposite of fertilizing the soil in fact, it will cause nitrogen immobilization, where most nitrogen in the soil will be temporarily unavailable to the grass. 
but this adds organic matter to the soil, giving parking places for water and nutrients, including nitrogen, and housing for the microscopic life that inhabits soil. It is that life and the carbon that are the difference between dirt and soil. High carbon material you can add to the soil surface of your lawn. Leaves that have been chopped up by a mulching mower. And I think I saw a comment where somebody was saying they just mow their leaves. And I think that's a great idea, but there is also a path where you can get too much. Like if you mow your leaves and mow your leaves and mow your leaves, you might end up with so many leaves on your lawn that it smothers your lawn which is kind of what the tree is wanting to do. The tree is the tree's kind of like, um, this is great soil right here. I really like the idea that I'm going to um, make it so nobody grows here but me and my special babies, and that's it. And so all these grasses are got to go. But, of course, what a lot of people, well, are required by law to have is a lawn. And so right. then, the, you know, the, those leaves will kill the lawn. And so you got to come up with a solution for that. And so uh, the solution is is mow your leaves. But if you start getting a lot of leaves, okay, maybe rake some of those up into a compost pile and put them over there. Or uh, I actually think leaves are some of the very best mulches for all kinds of stuff. So if you want to do take those leaves and use it as a mulch on a bunch of different places, they are great. But be careful if uh, you lay down uh, uh, leaves in the bad way, um, it can actually uh, create uh, an impermeable layer that kind of uh, strangles the plants below. Like air can't pass through, air and water won't be able to pass through those leaves. So you want to, don't go too crazy with that. Go easy. Okay. Uh, so back to this list. High carbon material you can add to the soil surface of your lawn. Leaves that have been chopped by a mulching mower. Organic straw tossed on your lawn just before you mow. We should have done organic and, and uh, underlined and italicized and bolded, and with the uh, the the uh, what do you what are you gonna call it? Jazz fingers around it, <laughs> like little little uh, action blips or something. Yeah. Organic. This is an animated book. Yeah, like that. Ooh, even better. I like the way you're thinking. <laughs> Uh, a dusting of sawdust, not wood chips, from untreated wood. If your soil is more like dirt right now, then you might want to go easy on the carbon stuff until your soil is amazing. With that in mind, I suggest, and then this is a new, a new section called Bringing in the Real Professionals. Hint, they don't wear clothes. That's right. We had one of those things where we were uh, <laughs> working on our section title, and that's what we came up with. And I believe, I believe I wrote this one too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Sean, in fact, probably Sean. Sean's probably more willing to work with me in the future if I own this one. <laughs> right. I love this one. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I think it's hilarious. Okay. Uh. You probably don't want to till up your yard. I don't want you to till up your yard. That's a lot of work. And it looks really ugly until the new lawn gets established. 
the grass you have now is a fine breed of grass. It's just in terrible soil. So most people are going to have Kentucky bluegrass, which is, um, I, I believe, if memory serves, I believe Kentucky bluegrass is actually a type of tall fescue, which is, and tall fescue is what I recommend for, uh, for turf. The mission is to improve the soil so the grass will be happy. I wish for you to build a dozen or more worm towns. All right, so there's the word. This is a brand new word, worm towns. And this this is something that we came up with right in the book. Because it's the technique, I mention it briefly in my article, but the great thing is, is several people have tried it and it works. So here we go. We've decided to call it a worm town. Dig a hole about three feet deep and at least eight inches in diameter. Then refill the hole. So refill the hole with that soil plus all the fixings for the most pampered living for earthworms. About eight inches from the top of the hole, add a half gallon of magnificent garden soil. Try to keep it in a block or sphere. Think of this magnificent garden soil blob as a seed containing garden magic, earthworm pods, good bacteria and fungus, soil building seeds, etc. If you break the seed or spread it out, all the magic dies. All right. Um, I think we did a good job of keeping this paragraph brief because I kind of wanted to go on for eight more paragraphs about this seed, this this gob of garden soil. Right. And the, the big thing is, is that as long as it's in a gob, then um, all of that life in the soil is in the soil. But if you take the gob and you spread it out on cement, it dies almost instantly. And so you got to keep it in this precious, precious gob. All right. As the years pass, your earthworm, earthworm population will skyrocket. Organic matter will be spread all through the soil. The earthworms will not only create thousands of tiny tunnels allowing air and water better access to the roots of your grasses, but they will create magnificent soil structure. Combined with your efforts of adding organic matter to the surface, maybe with nothing more than what is left behind from the mulching mower, your soil will become excellent and your grass will be strong and healthy without buying fertilizers. Okay, uh, three feet. Now, this image is going to stay in the ebook version. But you can kind of see on the left it's got a very thin soil and then we put in the uh, worm towns and on the right and it's much much deeper soil. And um I think our uh yeah, the 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 image the the, the image should be different for a lot of reasons but you know, we didn't want the image to get too giant sized. <laughs> I think it's good enough. It gets the point across. And you can kind of see how 
uh, as the as the worms kind of go through. So like earlier we were talking about this uh, clay subsoil, um, which is you know just clay. Then the the worms will dig through that, and they will introduce organic matter in there and start to create. Uh, uh, subsoil. And then, and you'll find actually as the worms do that, and more and more of this happens, the soil level will actually rise. It'll go up. And part of that is, is that the worms are going to come up to the surface and, and drop castings on the surface. And you might think, yeah, but that's so little, it's not very much. And it's like, it could add an inch and a half a year while adding all kinds of air channels and organic matter below each year. So oh, yeah. your your soil level will grow, and in time, those tree roots will be underground again. Three feet is not a randomly selected depth. To survive a winter in Montana, earthworms hibernate about three feet deep. And I see the metric conversion is about 90 centimeters but I, I think I would rather that said a meter. <laughs> but okay, we're not going to change. Too late it now. now. It's too late. Make a note for the second edition. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a podcast here. So am I. Maybe somebody who's online will go and make a note somewhere. All right. But in hard hard dirt, it is challenging for them to get that deep. Worm towns come with an earthworm freeway between the surface and three feet deep. Easy peasy. In time, the packed dirt between each worm town will become indistinguishable from the worm towns. It's as if the worm towns that you created all grew to form one massive, magnificent worm world all in your yard. Stuff to put in the hole with your soil. Kitchen scraps, unwanted plants, or rotting matter. Sticks, you know, kind of like for hookah culture. A half gallon of garden soil, keep it in a gob, do not mix with the other stuff. Lawn clippings. A little bit of sawdust, optional. A few leaves, optional. Only do it once, ever. In other words, this isn't a thing that you have to do every year or every 10 years. Once is enough. After this, just keep putting organic matter on top of the soil, and the earthworms will take care of everything from there. That's it. That's the whole chapter. And that that last piece actually came from somebody uh, on Permies, right, who had tried this a decade ago. And they said, yeah, I haven't fertilized my lawn since. He he tried it. So when I first put it up and I wrote it, and this was at a time when my article was like, I don't know, number one when you searched for lawn care. And I was getting so many people asking me questions about lawn care. And so I wrote this and I suggested it, and he tried it right away. And a month later, his lawn went from horribly pathetic and miserable to just absolutely magnificent. And he posted pictures of it all. And so the pictures are up on Permies. And, I, uh, and I've and i heard from a lot of other people that have tried it, but this guy posted pictures. And so I wrote to the guy and I said, you know, how's it going? And he's like, it's better than ever. Still 
absolutely magnificent. And he, he talked, he wrote on that thread some more, I believe. Yeah. But I've, he- I've heard from a bunch of other people that tried it and had great success. Um, you know, but they didn't supply pictures and stuff. And it was just, you know, sometimes it's just in person and in mention and how great it is. But it's, the, the big thing is, is usually what, like if you talk to a lawn company, then what they would want to do is to bring in sod, you know, yeah. uh, or water more often and fertilize more and things like that. And it's kind of like, yeah, that's, that's not. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does work. What they're suggesting will work to some degree. There are techniques you can use, but it's like they're very intensive. And a lot of, a lot of times when we're from the work, they, they have to bring in, um, the herbicides, the broadleaf herbicides. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, oh, this is to give the grass a chance and stuff. So, um, I think that what we're suggesting here is something that can be done entirely without herbicides and it's mostly patience. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, plus, I don't know. I think I think that this technique really kind of um, glues somebody in to uh, like like what some of the permaculture approaches are. Now, one thing that I remember doing when I was a teenager is um, putting in post holes at this location, and we had a gasoline powered post hole digger. Um, which was, of course, stinky and smelly and nasty. My back still hurts from the last time. No, I'm just kidding. Those yeah. things are hard. Yeah. Well, the, the one that I did was a two-person thing. Yeah. And I was amazed at how great it worked. I mean, we were making three-foot-deep holes in like a minute apiece. And um, after an hour, we just had, I don't know, we had more than 50 holes. Oh, that, that was like, not my experience. Oh, okay. Maybe it's different soil or something yeah, like that. Yeah, pretty right? much 100% clay where I was. Oh, where I was okay. All right. And so, we were digging deeper. But anyways, go ahead. And digging deeper, that would do it. And, of course, back then I was a teenager. <laughs> And so I, I could, uh, I, I think I had a little bit more stamina back then. Um, anyway, uh, uh, it, it is something that can go pretty quick. And then for a backyard, you might only do a dozen. Like a dozen might be all you need to do. Um, and and uh, you could do that with just a shovel. Although, of course, if you hit that clay, it's possible that uh, you might want to add a little water to help you deal with that clay as you're digging down. Um but I mean, if you've got a massive earthworm population, they're going to, you know, help repair everything for you. So, right. All right. I I see tons and tons of comments now. One of the things we said we're going to get back to later was the idea of somebody had that clay that was just like a couple of inches down. And so um, I think that the worm town thing is the best approach for that. I agree, a hundred percent. Now, one problem with doing it in clay is that when it rains, it could kill all the earthworms that because is, yeah. it fills up with water. And then, of course, then it goes anaerobic, and it can be such a, a mess. And so then I kind of think, like, okay, that is that that makes it so it's not a quick solution. But then the quick solution is going to be something like. Maybe do the Wormtown thing, but instead of doing it with holes, rent a ditch witch 
or rent an excavator. Well, an excavator is going to compact all your soil horribly. But the idea would be that if you did this in such a way that any excess of water that built up in this trench that you're making could drain somewhere. Yeah. Then your worms are going to be okay. I mean, really that's what you got to do is you're thinking of like, how do I make it so that, how do I make a worm town and I've got clay? Now, if you've got sand or gravel or anything else, your worms will be fine. Mm -hmm. But with clay, it's going to be like, okay, I have to have a way so they won't drown. So I need to do something so that this water can drain. Now, if you're out in the middle of a big flat area and you can't drain it anywhere, mm-hmm. I don't have a solution other than like installing some kind of sump pump for like if water, like you're going to make something that's that's like maybe four feet deep and the trench is going to be connected to that. And then it's a spot that's open and then there's a pump at the bottom, and then if excess water gets in there, it'll pump it out. But that just seems like such crazy overkill. Surely there's another way. I just don't know what the other way is. Um, I mean, it's going to depend on each site. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is super site-specific. Yeah. If you yeah. have a high water table versus a low water table, or if you have some organic matter in your topsoil, then that would help. There's going to be a lot of yeah. Lot so of factors. we do have several clay pits up on the lab, but most of the soil is like like uh, rocky or gravelly up there. Right. Um, and so all if we just if we just put in the worm towns, it'll be solved. And uh, and of course now we've got a different problem here at base camp in that we're on top of solid rock. Although um, we did just recently make the decision to be like, okay, here where the septic tank is, we're going to just have this be a lawn um, because we need to be able to get at the septic tank from time to time. Yeah. And so we don't want to build a culture on top of it. Um, and it's just this flat spot. If we, we can make a little lawn and, and then have like a little picnic table there or something. Right. So um, uh, the grass... What was growing there was mostly weeds and rather pathetic. And so um, I've been going back there and trying to fertilize it a little bit. Um, and uh, we laid down a little bit of sand uh, that we, we brought up from another part of the property that has a lot of sand, uh, Arrakis. And then um, uh, recently, uh, one of the boots that's here, Jennifer, she planted a bunch of uh, Dutch white clover there. And we've got little tiny babies coming up right now. And so hopefully that clover will convert a lot of this into a more of a soil. Because what's here right now is pretty pathetic. And so um, let's let's get that converted to something nice. Right. All right. I see tons of comments flying by. What have we what do we got here? What is are there any questions? Is there are we done with this podcast? I think we're just about done. Yeah, the conversation's been been good. People are chatting with each other about clay and such okay. things. But I see something I have to comment on. A French drain system is a possibility. I want to say that French drain stuff is the perfect solution for 
8% of the places where French drain has been installed. So most people, they put in French drains, and they're thinking that the water will come from above, hit the French drain, and then the French drain will take it away. And um, But French drain is actually not designed for that at all. And it really doesn't help with that at all. But what French drain is good at is if the water table from below is coming up, and then it's designed to make sure it gets no higher than the French drain. Now, if you've got a place where the water table has gotten to be four inches deep above the surface, then, yeah, a French drain can help with that. But for a lot of stuff, it's like, okay, we don't want the soil here to get saturated. It's like, yeah, the soil here is still going to get saturated um, because the French drain does not help with that. It, uh, you know, if it's just saturating, then it's like the French drain's doing nothing. It's, it's, it doesn't, it cannot stop saturation. It can only stop saturation to the point that it's become full on water table level water. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I, I usually think wherever somebody's thinking about putting in a French drain, I usually put in, um, like a shallow ditch or I, I will, change the ground shape slightly so water will go in the direction I want it to go in. Yeah. That is like, that's a 100% solution and um, uh, it's far more reliable. It never plugs. Yeah. um, Well, and like, I don't know how much of this you get where you are, but like here it gets freaking cold for long stretches at a time. And so it's like Things freeze. Yeah. And then they don't thaw out. You know, you're sitting there and like all the snow's gone, but your culverts under, like people who have culverts under their driveways or whatever, they're still frozen solid. Right. And, and backing up ditches for miles. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so now you've got this big, you know, lake problem and it's like, why is there a lake there? I've got a French drain. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it can't get through that ice, you know, that's just below the surface. But if you just shaped your ground a little bit, you know, did your earthworks a little bit. Yeah. So, um, uh, but the big thing is too, is like just putting in a French drain, uh, doesn't exactly help. I mean, one thing that some people could do in a clay scenario, but it really doesn't fix it would be like, okay, let's put in, you want to have worm towns three feet deep. All right. Let's dig a trench that's six feet deep. And we'll fill in the lower three feet with like river rock. And, and it's kind of like, and then on top of that, we're going to put in the soil that's going to be basically the worm town. And it's like that, that works. I think that's still not going to work enough. Cause, cause then what's going to happen is, is that your worms will still all drown and die because you're sitting in the middle of basically, uh, a tub of clay and the water still can't permeate the clay and get away. And, um, and then you also don't have any evaporation happening because it's all kind of underground. Um, I mean, I suppose you could do something where you've got something that looks like a wishing well, maybe. Only it's a big air vent <laughs> to go down to that, 
then at least that excess water could eventually evaporate, but it will only evaporate during the warmer months. And it's during the colder months that you're getting all of this excess water. And then so it'll still be just enough water so that all of your little wormies will drown. So it's kind of like, still doesn't quite work. Um, You've got to be able to drain it somewhere. I think that the best you could do is that thing with the pump. I think there's got to be a better way, but people got to just go out there and play with it and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, another way would be to um, add, uh, like, like you could, well, I was going to say add 18 inches of topsoil, you know, um, and then it's like at least it's 18 inches deep sitting on top of the um, the clay. And then it just has to, you know, any water that gets in there in excess is going to just bleed out to the neighbors, I guess. Right. You know, um, that's a that's a possibility. I mean, this is what we're talking about. This is in the chapter about lawn care, and we're shooting for lawn care. When it comes to gardening, of course, we're going to use hugelkultur beds, which yeah. will do great on top of clay. They'll do magnificent. Um, but, all right. Let's see. Oh, there's something about a solar pump. Um, oh, pu- you know, pumps aren't a bad way. They are very useful. Uh, and don't put it on neighbors. <laughs> I think that's probably a good policy. Yeah, good policy. All right, I think I'm ready to wrap this thing up. Anything yeah. else you could think of that we should add here? Nothing? Uh, no, let's call it. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where would you believe it? We actually have a forum dedicated to lawn care, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.